Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. As the globe continues to grapple with the coronavirus epidemic, we hear from an expert in frontline healthcare data, John Jackson. The technology his company has created has already helped during the Ebola crisis. Today, during this podcast, we explore how data can assist us today, what it means for your data protection, and whether it's only governments who can do contact tracking. It's not. And finally, why coronavirus is so very different from Ebola. So, John, welcome. Thank you, Katie. We're happy to be here to discuss this very important topic. So, John, I mean, to start things off, could you share a bit more background on what Damagi is and your app, Comcare? Yes, thanks, Katie. Uh, Damagi is a social enterprise. We're headquartered in Boston, but have large offices in Senegal, um, India, and Cape Town. And we work in over 70 countries. We have designed a business to create uh, technology that can create impact at the front lines of healthcare. And we've been active in past outbreaks like Ebola response in a way that allows us to leverage our platform, Comcare. Comcare is the leading platform for frontline providers in low-resource settings. We estimate that we equip roughly 10% of the community health workers in low- and middle-income countries, and we're rapidly growing our network of hundreds of partners who use the platform. The reason the platform is so commonly used at the front lines is it has uh, several key features that are necessary to really empower and equip frontline workers with the software they need. The first is that it's a no-code platform, so we have lots of people who are not technical but experts in public health or health systems that can use Comcare to build applications to support their programming. Second is that it's designed to work fully offline, and so that is critical in a lot of the environments we work in. A lot of major technical firms can't afford to invest to make those types of features because they're not necessarily needed in more developed markets, Um, and so that is something that we found to be a killer feature in the low-resource settings that we operate in. And the third is that while we do support data management and data systems, we believe in creating comprehensive mobile applications that truly empower the frontline workers. And when you have an application that enables them to improve the services they're offering to their clients, improves the productivity, um, and lowers their data burdens, you get them to use the application simply for the benefit at the front lines, and then you get all of your data for free um, back where you need it at headquarters to make uh, data-informed decisions. And so those have really helped scale Comcare throughout a variety of use cases, typically in health system strengthening, where you're trying to provide routine care and delivery, but also in emergent responses such as Ebola and now coronavirus. John, during the Ebola outbreak, your mobile app Comcare helped contact tracing, data collection, decision support and information dissemination. How could this be useful to the global coronavirus pandemic response? Many of the same use cases you just mentioned are uh, still very much needed in the coronavirus pandemic response. So contact tracing is critical during early phases of the disease. Surveillance is critical throughout all phases of the disease and information dissemination similarly is critical. The way in which Comcare was used during the Ebola outbreak, which is how we're seeing it being used for COVID-19 response as well, is really at the front lines of the healthcare workforce. We're typically equipping community healthcare workers, frontline workers, nurses and physicians, who are at the last mile delivering healthcare. And with COVID, this is going to be a critical challenge as we both detect and treat and isolate the disease, um, but also make sure we keep the common health systems running that we support on a day-to-day basis. And so a lot of those use cases are going to be 
um, necessary on top of ComCare. But in addition, there's a lot, obviously with the massive scale and the spread of the disease this time around, there's a lot more that needs to be done in addition to just contact tracing, data collection, and surveillance. And as the founder of Dimagi, which ComCare is one of your app's flagship product, having been through this with Ebola, what is your advice to others on the cusp of this potentially long-term life-changing pandemic? Yeah, one of the experiences that we had with Ebola and many of the people participating in the response uh, felt this as well, is the need to make sure we're already using what's been deployed and what's on the ground already, not necessarily introducing new solutions. So we are a digital health provider. I'm obviously coming at this from a digital health perspective, but there's many other use cases where I believe this is uh, common, not just in digital health. There's lots of assets that are on the ground within countries today, and those assets need to be leveraged and utilized and possibly uh, shifted to make sure they're prioritized for responding to this outbreak. But introducing new shiny solutions, new things, it might be too late depending on the phase that a particular local geography is at to be introducing new solutions at this point in time. So one of the things that Demagi makes sure we do is we're leveraging countries that are already familiar with ComCare, implementing partners in our network that are already familiar with ComCare to rapidly deploy ComCare applications. But there's many other digital solutions that are powerful and useful. Um, and if they're using those, we're just as happy to support other people's uh, solutions to make sure that we're having the most impact we can. Another piece of advice that we would offer is making sure that these solutions are designed to be highly adaptable and iterative. We've seen the progression of this disease and partners we're supporting rapidly move from a phase where you can be doing active contact tracing or active surveillance to where the caseload becomes uh, infeasible for the amount of workers you have to support it and you move to a different surveillance approach. And that requires rapidly changing your digital platforms and approaches. And that's something that we're very proud to support on Comcare. Amazing to think how quickly this has spread. And we are seeing an unprecedented amount of governmental, business, community interaction and collaboration. From your app's perspective and the work that you're doing, do you do you need that kind of governmental central control? Or is this something that communities or businesses or other decision makers could potentially engage with? Yeah, so we have customers spanning all of those different verticals that you just mentioned. A lot of large implementing partners, a lot of small national implementing partners, the governments um, and businesses are all existing users of the Comcare platform and are active in many of the countries that we're supporting. Obviously, the government response is critical and a major one that we're trying to support as rapidly as we can. They are ultimately going to need to make a lot of the policy decisions and direct resources as needed to support COVID-19 response in their countries. The business community, the nonprofit community, civil society, all have critical roles to play. And fortunately, we've designed Comcare in such a way that many different communities can use Comcare at the same time with different applications, different ways to collect data, different ways to deploy workforces. And we're able to support all of those because we have both a software as a service platform, which is self-service and allows people to build mobile applications in a no-code model. We also have a platform that's fully open source, so some governments deploy it on their own. And so we offer a lot of flexibility around data privacy and security as well. And that's been another reason why we're able to meet the needs of both governments and the private sector and the public sector. And I think a lot of people are a bit curious about that kind of data protection piece. I mean, could you tell us a bit more about, is this something where in order for contact tracing to happen properly, people will literally need to sort of hand over their entire, you know, life's data? Or is this something that's, is there a middle ground? There's definitely middle ground and there's a lot of um, different approaches that are being considered and researched right now and then deployed. So the, the classic model of contact tracing is that a government or local government is going to deploy 
some healthcare worker that's part of the public sector or employed by a, a contractor, but they're going to actively do contact tracing. So that data is collected on behalf of a public health need and used by the public health department. Obviously, with the rate of spread and scale of coronavirus, that's not really going to be a feasible approach. Um, you need much more data than is available to be collected by public health officials. And so in that case, there's a very interesting number of people thinking about how to use consumer-created data, how to use crowdsourced data, in addition to the formal public sector data sets that are collected. But you still have the local jurisdictional authorities. Here, I'm based in the United States. We have local departments of health. They are you know, accountable and responsible on, under normal circumstances to investigate um, outbreaks that happen within their jurisdiction. And in this case, they still are needed and necessary to respond to investigations and outbreak. Um, but obviously, this is an all-hands-on-deck uh, situation in a lot of our communities here in the U.S. And so the resources of the Department of Public Health might need to be significantly augmented by other parts of government and other parts of the private sector. With respect to privacy in that world, uh, there is a really important question around how do we balance the needs of privacy for the individual and the needs to respond to this public health intervention as fast as possible. And if you see you know, some of the behaviors across the world, the people who are being asked to self-isolate, not self-isolating, or you know, actively going against uh, certain directives, you can imagine that someone going to be exacerbated when we start asking people for their personal data. There's definitely the need to collect the you know, bare minimum data sets that our public health departments and officials need and healthcare providers need. But there's a lot beyond that. If we can get individuals topped into data sharing, whether they've been around certain individuals, whether they're showing signs and symptoms and self-report that, you can imagine a huge gain in efficiency and the real-time nature of that data that could potentially be used to track the outbreak in more real time than uh, we might have through traditional means of contact tracing and surveillance. Um, so I think there's a lot of innovation that can be done on the technology side. Obviously, um, you know, the middle of a pandemic response is not necessarily the most efficient or effective time to be trying out new things and innovating. But given the scope and scale of this problem, we have got to, you know, be smart, but test and, and grab all the resources we can to attempt to make sense of, of the data that we can potentially be collecting. But certainly, I do not believe that it should be the case that we're forcing people to you know, provide data um, that they don't want to or asking people to hand over troves of data. There's very smart ways to do this with a privacy-first mindset um, that can be very smart about collecting just the minimal data we need to, to maximize the response. And John, what would be the next step for someone who is wanting to know more about Comcare or take action? Yeah, so if you go to our website, www.demagi.com, D-I-M-A-G-I, you can then link off to Comcare the platform. We have another product called Focus, which is a mobile device management tool meant for the last mile in front lines. We have a blog post up that is offering Comcare for free to anybody responding to COVID-19. Um, and many of our partners are, are actively building applications suitable to the response. We also have our own central response team that is building up template applications uh, based on WHO protocols, CDC protocols, and others that we're making freely available to our partners. And so if you need anything, help, support, request, please go to that blog. We have an email address that you can email us at to get any support or help that you might need. And, you know, this is obviously moving very fast. I would also just encourage all of your listeners, what we're doing today might be obsolete by tomorrow, certain regions that we're working in. So we also need to build durable partnerships and solutions for the long run um, over the course of this pandemic. Well, John Jackson, thank you so much for giving up your time at such a wealth-demanding time for everybody. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us I would also love to hear your feedback, so please do drop me a line at any time. I'm katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. 
Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.